Hi, welcome to Harvest Church Podcast. We pray that as you listen today, you are blessed and encouraged. Thank you so much for listening in. If you want any more information about our ministry, we'd love you to jump onto our website, harvestaustralia.org. Have a great day. We have the great privilege of having Chad and Jay Mansbridge with us this morning. And uh, they're great friends of ours, and, and we've known them for, well, since before we were pastoring, really, so over 12 years. And uh, they lead a great church, Bayside Church, down at Port Elliot, isn't it? It's not Victor Harbour, it's Port Elliot, right? And, uh, and have done for like 18 years or something like that, 18, 19 years, so a long time. Anyone who can pastor a church for that long knows something. And, uh, and it's, it's so good to be able to have other Adelaideans come and speak into us and they know us and, uh, and, and it's such a blessing to have them. So I want you just to give them a yell and a scream and a clap. You don't even have to stand. Is that okay? But a yell, a scream and a clap as Chad comes this morning. <laughs> just, a, just a yell and a scream. Don't ask for much. Oh, we're on camera, so I'm going to have to stand on the... Uh Jingamy, thigamy. Yes, that's okay. Now you can see me. I don't mind it. I have been in front of a camera before. This is my family. This is my family. There you go. There you go. Uh, a couple of years ago, we started a, a tradition on Mother's Day of setting up a photo booth for uh, at church and so we're hoping to develop that as a bit of a tradition so there's our mother's day photo how many of you know as the kids get older it gets a little bit hard to get them all together to take photographs and uh so did on mother's day uh i have been jay and i jay's here in the front row round of applause scream and shout for jay don't don't need to stand up don't but scream and shout and uh, we have been leading a church for bayside now for almost 19 years coming this september started on father's day and so it'll be 19 years when uh, we were 23 years of age. Um, I do, uh, for a hobby, I do a bit of acting on the side. So if I appear, appear a bit theatric as I speak, uh, that, that may, be, may be the reason there. But the last few years, the thing that's really been keeping my uh, juices flowing is I've been writing a book. My friends are sick of me talking about it. What are you doing? I'm writing a book. And, uh, but I get to show you something today that nobody else has seen. Oh, there it is. Uh, uh, so I just submitted it last this week to a printing house and uh, we're still delaying the release until August uh, because I need to now work on the publicity sort of side of things and spend some money in that and getting people aware of uh, some little country boy in Victor Harbour. Uh, but um, so keep your ears out for August. You can handle the truth. It's a book on how to handle the scriptures. How to, Paul writes to Timothy and said, be a workman who rightly divides the word of truth. Some of you oldies know the rightly divide phrase. Okay, I grew up in the NIV, so it says who correctly handles the word of truth. And all the ex-geners in the room also know there's a kind of a play on words there. You can handle the truth, you see. And so that's it. So it's a whole book on the fancy pants term for that is hermeneutics which is how to basically handle the scriptures properly. All Christians have the same Bible. 
Okay, we come to very different conclusions as to what it means and what we should do about it. Well, the reason for that, most for the most part, is because we handle it differently. We treat it differently. Well, this is all about reaching the next generation of Bible students and hopefully Bible preachers on how to correctly handle God's Word. And so it's been a hang of a journey. Uh, last year, spent a bit of a time knocking on publishers' doors in America, uh, trying to see if anyone would take on a country kid from Victor Harbour. Didn't happen, so I'm doing it all myself. But I've got endorsements from a, a Bible college, uh, sorry, the lecturer from Hillsong College in London, a dean of Alpha Cruces College, the largest Pentecostal Bible college here in Australia. Some of you with grey hair would remember Barry Chant has read it, written an endorsement, founded Table Bible College. Uh, Larry Sparks, who's the publisher of Destiny Image, one of the largest charismatic publishers in America, uh, has written an endorsement for me. Catherine Bernala, other names, many, uh, names that you know. And so quite excited about it. So stay tuned, follow me on social media, and uh, you can learn when that's coming out in August. And you get to see the cover before anyone else. So there you go. It's got my ugly mug on it, but anyway... Hopefully, it still sells. So, there you go. Good morning. I have one point this morning. And out of that point, I'm going to make three. And then out of those three points, I'm going to take one and I'm going to make five. Yeah, I didn't get many wows for that, did I? I just said, oh, settle in, we're going to be here for a while. Uh, no, I say that for those of you, particularly maybe the gentleman in the room, who just, just tell me where we're going so I know where we're at, okay? I'll say that for you and for those of you with weak bladders so you know, okay, I can hold on. It's only on point five. We're almost there. We'll get going. But here's the one point I want to make to you today. And then you can go home. That's very too loud. God is absolutely committed to guiding you to leading you in and through life. God is absolutely committed to speaking to you and he is committed to guiding you should you allow him to do that. You can go home now. <laughs> so I was born at Flinders, uh, Flinders Hospital. <laughs> oh, now, now we're bucking, now we're here for a long time now. God, how old's this guy? 42. Oh, we're here for a while. I was born at Flinders. Um, my parents drove me home to my first house, which was on Freeman Avenue, just off States Road. I'm a local. A few years later, I was catching the bus to a school known as Southern Vales Christian Community School. <laughs> where Auntie Penny was my reception teacher. And Mr Cox if I remember correctly, was the principal. Well, my first pastor, uh, my parents uh, were going to a church known as Bethesda and Peter Vacker was my first pastor when I was born. In fact, my mum was PV's PA, so she'd take me to work and put me under the desk so PV couldn't see me and uh, was PV's PA. And at my dedication service, do you guys do baby dedications here, that kind of thing? And my dedication service, an older lady came up to my parents with a scripture. And she said, I just feel like this is prophetically pertinent for Chad. And it was from Isaiah chapter 58 and verse 11. And it says this, The Lord will guide you always. The Lord will guide you always. 
and he will satisfy your needs in a sun-scorched land. And he will strengthen your frame. And as a result of that, you will be like a well-watered garden. And you will be like a spring whose waters never fail giving. Your people, after you, your people will be called... uh, No, what's it say? I thought I could do it from memory. Here we go. Your people will rebuild the age-old foundations, will raise up the ruins... And you will be called repairer of broken walls. You will be called a restorer of streets with dwellings. There are many, many benefits to being led or guided by God. Here's some of them. Uh, But it starts with the promise of God saying, I will guide you. I will lead you. How many of you here today are thankful for the guidance of God in your life? Well, there you go. Proofs in the pudding. And so God is absolutely committed to guiding his people. There are many scriptures we could use to explain that. But that is simply, in a sense, a bit of a life verse for me and so I will use that one the Lord will guide you always Chad that's point number one well done (laughs) how does he do that well essentially over the years I've learned there are fundamentally three main ways that God is committed to guiding us three major ways the first is the spirit by the spirit or I'd rather say by the spirituals, okay? Because any guidance by God is by the Spirit. (laughs) Uh, But we know, for those of us from a Pentecostal charismatic heritage, and this is certainly the history that I grew up in, we were very familiar with the fact, Romans chapter 8, that those who are sons of God are led by the Spirit of God. And at the end of the day, no matter how God guides us, it's always by the Spirit, because that's who God is. So that's why I'd rather say the spirituals. One of the things I learned growing up in a Pentecostal environment is that God speaks today. And God uses prophecy or words of knowledge or inner witness or dreams and visions and whether there's any differentiating between some of them at times, we don't know. All the edges are blurred. But I grew up in a context where I knew God spoke. And the preachers that I heard and the uh, watching Benny Hinn and Joyce Meyer and, and other kind of voices that on TV, going to meetings where a prophet would walk down the aisle, stop in the third row and say, there's someone here with a second name, Bruce, and you've got a problem with your right aorta. Well, I just grew up seeing that. I knew God spoke. And in those days, certainly it was more prevalent for a preacher to say, the Lord told me. You know, now we sort of go, you know, I've just got this maybe idea that you know possibly no the Lord said you know that's saith the Lord that's just how it was the man of God has spoken and so I grew up knowing that God speaks our God is guides and he speaks uh, by his spirit and I'm very grateful for that then I went to university and I started to get involved in evangelical church circles and I was really grateful for that because my evangelical brothers taught me Another major way that God speaks, not only by the Spirit, spirituals, but by the Scriptures. God has given us His written Word. And I'm super grateful for my Pentecostal heritage. I'm super grateful for my evangelical influence of brothers and sisters that challenged me in what I believed about this book. That your Word, Psalm 119 says, is like a light to my Feet, it's like a lamp to my path. There's something about God's word that sheds a big, broad light on my big direction, but also like a torch, like a lamp to my feet, shines the next step I can take. God has given us guidance through his word. And I remember once being at a a Christian camp. My parents used to send me on a combined church evangelical camp every year called Christian Endeavor up at Mount Barker. 
and uh, <laughs> touching on all the stuff today, and um, and uh, and uh, huh? What was I saying? Oh, and I was like, God, I want to hear your voice. I want to be like these preachers that could just hear you talk, you know. And God spoke to me, <laughs> and. Um, he just reminded me as I was praying that one day, he said, listen, mate, you be faithful with little, I trust you with much. And the Bible is not little, but I knew what that meant when I heard that is, why don't you just be faithful with what I have given you so I know I can trust you with the more of my voice that is out there. It's a bit like Moses, you know, standing before the Red Sea going, God, do something, do something. And God's like, what's in your hand, mate? What have I already given you? Okay, well, he's given us his written word, okay? So I'm very grateful for my evangelical background. And you guys, like it or not, like it, have Baptist roots. So this is the church of the word. And, and you know, three-point sermon. Some of you are like, yes, three points. I like this bit because you're Baptists, you know, historically. And that's part of the heritage of this church. It's being a word-based people that allow the Spirit of God to move. And so we know God speaks to us by the spirituals but we are absolutely committed. God is speaking to us through the Scriptures, and that's worth writing a book on. So there you go. And then as I've got older, and I moved on to another church, and I started getting on with my adult life, God really began to highlight another major way that God is committed to speaking to us. What's your point, Chad? My point is God is committed to guiding you. And He does that in three major ways. By the Spirit, the spirituals, prophecy, words of knowledge, dreams, visions, whatever. He's absolutely committed to guiding you through the Scriptures. But thirdly, He's committed to guiding you through the saints. Through the voice and the wisdom and the knowledge and the counsel of other people. God has put other people into our life. In Ephesians 4, in my young adult years, very much ingrained in a, in a knowledge of Ephesians chapter 4, that God has chosen a multifaceted community to display his multifaceted wisdom. Okay, through the church, the multifaceted, multidimensional character and nature and wisdom of God is to be known. And that is done because of a multifaceted community. And God puts us in community that we can hear his voice through the mouth of other people. And that is essentially where I'm wanting to camp today. My, my one word that is now three, that is now five, is how different areas, different groups that God, or people that God puts in our life through which we can hear his voice. I'm going to get very practical today and encourage you to uh, actively engage at least these five groups of people in your life that you may be led and guided by God. Amen? Get on with it, Chad. Okay. First group of people that God is committed to using to speak to you is parental figures, parents, or parental figures. At the moment, we're doing a series in our church. Uh, we just started for this term uh, on the book of Proverbs. And Proverbs chapter 1, uh, verse 8, kind of opens the book by saying this. As you know, this is King Solomon writing. And he says, listen, my son. Listen to your father's instruction. And do not forsake your mother's teaching. Listen, boy. Listen to your mum. Listen to your father. 
listen to your mother. And the whole book of Proverbs reads like this. It's a family book. It's a book of a dad writing to his son. And in Proverbs 31, the famous chapter that we all know, with the, 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 the wife of noble character poem, the whole thing about Proverbs 31 is it's the queen mother talking. So it's the book of a father writing to his son. And this very wise father knows well enough to give the last word to the woman in his life and says, listen, <laughs> chapter 31 is dedicated to the queen mum and the wisdom that she has in sharing to her son. God gives us the first group of people that God puts in our life to help us to discern wisdom is, for the majority of us, parents as the primary or first voice in our life. And for those of us with good parents, we should count ourselves blessed. For those of us with good parents, we should count ourselves blessed and never stop appreciating the fact that we are among those who have good parents in our life. Winston Churchill said this, When I was 16, I thought my parents knew nothing. When I was 21, I was shocked to discover how much they'd picked up in the last five years. <laughs> Mark Twain said something similar. He said, when I was 10, I thought my parents knew everything. When I was 20, I was convinced they knew nothing. And by the time I'd turned 30, I realised I was right when I was 10. <laughs> For most of us with good parents, our parents will be the primary first positive voice in our life and you know even for those of us who do not have good parents God maybe not even God but just life itself is committed to giving us both positive and negative examples and we can learn from both we can hear the wisdom of God through positive examples and through negative examples. And that's one of the reasons that the New Testament, in fact, all the way through the Bible, particularly, particularly the New Testament, will not only gives us good role models to look at, it'll constantly draw our attention to the Exodus generation, who were terrible, and say, learn from that. Learn from those poor examples. I was just talking to Max here, and my grandma uh, was a first-generation Christian, part of this church for a number of years. Her house, she lives at Elkana, just here. Her house literally backs onto the fence here for about 20 to 30 years. She's 96. And uh, first generation Christian, born again Christian in our family. She got saved when Billy Graham came to town. Okay, so I only knew that when he died. I only just found out that my grandma went up the front to Billy Graham, for goodness sake. And so, and, uh, so she was a born again Christian and got the kids involved with Leo Harris uh, there at Sturt Street, it's kind of the first church she plugged into. And my dad tells me it was not an uncommon thing for her to come home from church and to have Grandpa beat her up, hold her up against the wall, uh, hand to the throat, and uh, curse her for daring to go to church. My grandfather cursed the day my dad was ever born. Who'd want to continue the bastard name Mansbridge? He left my dad when my dad was 10 uh, and for most of my childhood spent it in Yadala uh, because of his violent tendencies. He suffered schizophrenia and he was an alcoholic. But that was the example that my dad had growing up. And my dad learnt from that. 
And my dad became a new link in a chain of alcoholism that had been passed down into my family and uh, violence and aggression that had been passed down into my family. And my dad thought, I'm going to take that negative example and learn from that and find God's wisdom through that experience. And the only reason I have grown up with good parents is because my dad made that call and decided I'm going to learn even from a bad example in my life. And so if you're here today and you're like, parents, what can I possibly learn from my parent chat? Life, God, or just life itself, will give us good examples to learn from. But life will also give you negative examples. And you can take advantage of that and you can learn and find God's wisdom through those examples. So don't neglect that. And you know, when Exodus talks and then the New Testament backs it up about honouring your parents, the word honour is the word weight. It just means to give honest weight to who they are, the good and the bad. When Noah's sons backed into the tent with the, when their dad was off his head, drunk, and, and, and in the nick, you know, and they backed in and just covered him, they weren't denying something. They knew what had happened. They knew that they gave weight to that situation. But there's something about uh, honour. Honour is not just about dismissing the bad and only thinking of the good. Now, honour is giving weight to what is true, to be honest about who our parents are. And that is something that we can all do, whether they are good or whether they are bad examples, uh, both with our biological parents and some of us with our future parents, uh, sorry, our spiritual parents. God has given us parental figures to learn from. And one of the biggest pivotal turning points in our church was that when we were six years old, I was walking along the beach in Canterbury. It was our Father's Day, it was our anniversary, it was our birthday. And God spoke to me and said, Chad, your future, talking about our church, your future is found in your father's. And I argue with that because that doesn't, no, no, no. Our future is found in the next generation. No, your future is found in your father's. If you want to know what your future looks like, look at your parents. And that to me at the time was a challenge on which parents I was looking to on what spiritual parents I was looking at at that time in my, in my life. You can't change your biological parents, but you can find parental figures in your life. And for some of us, we might need to think, who, who, who am I looking to to lead me? And in that time, six, in six years into our journey, in our church planning journey, I actually had to make an adjustment as to who my spiritual parents were, who, who were the leaders I was looking to in life. Because I knew... Uh, my future was found in their example, to a degree, to a degree. What's the point, Chad? The point is, God is committed to guiding you. He's committed to guiding you through community. And one of the first groups that he's absolutely committed to guiding you through is parents. Parents. Number two, God is committed to guiding us through prophetic pastors, in quotes, prophetic types, prophetic people, people that hear the voice of God people that know Holy Spirit, people that can pick things up that we may never pick up on our own. I'm so grateful to have grown up in a Pentecostal charismatic environment because it was in that environment that I, we were released into planning a church of someone prophesying over us, of a prophetic pastor who uh, heard a rumor about us that we were thinking about starting a church and him picking something up in his gut and going, yes, God is on that. 
I'm so grateful for that. Not just, oh, that's a good idea. No, that's resonating with my gut. And uh, this happened to us when we were 22 years of age, had a very prophetic uh, pastor at the time, and he heard that we wanted to plant a church. We were 22, and he goes, that sounds great. What about six weeks? Do you think you could be ready in six weeks? Are you ready in six weeks? The reaper's overtaking the, the, sowman, uh, the sower, you know, let's go, you know. And, uh, and that's why I put pastors in inverted brackets, because a week later after he'd calmed down, he said, you know, I think you should speak to someone a little bit more pastoral than me. <laughs> And so we sat down with uh, Finney and Izzy Dejasini, friends of ours from Sydney that were just with us a couple of weeks ago. Prophetic, pick things up in the spirit, but with a pastoral heart that was able to go, you know what, I see that in your life, on your life. But uh, as a shepherd, let me say, why don't we just take this easy and understand that uh, your wife's pregnant and you're not quite sure what a baby's like yet. Maybe now's the time not to, not to plant a church. But to have people in your life that not only hear God's voice and can go, I see that on you in the future, but who care enough for you to go, but for the next six months, for the next six months, because I not only see, I also care. I'm not just a seer. Uh, prophecy, you know, sometimes the exciting stuff about prophecy is bigger, better, further, further, wider, higher, greater. And the pastoral care side goes, yeah, yeah, but I know where you're at. And the scripture says he gently leads those who are young. There's something about shepherding. He goes, I know where we're going, but there's a journey to get there, boy. And, and so this is why prophetic and pastoral, in inverted commas, goes well together. King David, you know, is one of the greatest examples of someone in the Old Testament, at least, that heard God's voice. He was the one who wrote the psalm, the Lord is my shepherd. King David knew what it was to hear God. And yet King David, even in one of the worst part of his life, in 1 Samuel 30, when oh, the war happens and his, his whole camp is pillaged and plundered and that type of thing, it says he encouraged himself in the Lord. He knew how to hear God's voice. But immediately after that, he seeks out Abathar, the prophet, the priest, and says, I need help hearing God. He had Nathan. He had Gad. He had men in his life, prophetic people. He knew how to hear God, but he didn't do it alone. He knew how to hear God, but he didn't do it alone. And how many times in our church journey and life's journey where we're hearing God, we think we're hearing, and it just means a phone call to someone who's got a bit of a prophetic edge just to go, help me, are you picking up anything, anything in this? Other people, we need to draw on the anointing of those who are different to us. Because other prophetic people will see things that you just will not see on your own. Jay and I, we both share this story. Jay opens her book with this, with this story when we're down at Normanville once and we're on the beach and kids are playing and Jay's there reading a magazine or something and I look down towards Cape Jarvis and I see the wind farm on the cliffs. I'm like, oh, kids, check out the windmills. And they look up and they go, Dad, there's nothing there and they keep playing. I'm like, you, what are you talking about? They don't ignore me. Look up at the windmills, kids. Look at the windmills. They look up, they go, Dad, you're imagining things, there's nothing there. What's the matter with you people? I asked Jay, Jay, tell the kids I'm right, okay? Look up at the cliffs. One, two, three, there's at least 10 windmills up on the cliff. She looks up and you go, nah, Chad, the kids are right. And she keeps reading. I disown these people. What's the matter with them? And then it occurred to me. I was the only one wearing sunglasses. And they're polarised lenses. Polarised lenses cut out horizontal light rays. You know, you look at the beach, sometimes look at the water, go, oh, that's nice. Take your sunnies off. You're like, oh, yeah, I think I'll put my sunnies back on. It's a bit like that. So took my sunnies off, looked up at the cliffs, and the windmills disappeared. Yeah, we were right. <laughs> Jay wore my sunglasses and she saw them. Because I was right. 
Some people will see things that you will never see on your own. And for some people, it's just because of their particular personalities and temperaments and experience and whatever. But some people will just have a prophetic edge and they will see something that is absolutely true, but it's just clouded from your view. And that's the way God's made it because God has built us for community. So to have parents in your life and listen to your mum, listen to your father, but have prophetic types, pastoral people that care for you, but also have a cutting edge in what they see. The third group of people to have in our life that really has been a blessing to me are peers. The word peers comes from the Latin par, on par, which means equal. These are people who are your equals. These are people that you stand shoulder to shoulder with. Peers are those who see you regularly and understand your world. They understand your language. They understand your issues. Uh, When you're a cop, some of the best friends you can have are other cops because they just get it. When you're a teacher, some of the best friends you can have are just other teachers because they just get it. And when you're a pastor, one of the best peers you can have is other pastors because they just get it. They just get, we we just got this common understanding of things that just sometimes don't need to be said. And we are better together. That's our theme for the year. We are better together. I know I didn't say that at the start. That's a bit of a bit of a neglect. We are better together. These are useless. We are better together when we walk shoulder to shoulder with those who are doing what we are doing as well. Parental support is really important because parents can look back and go, I've been there, son. I've been there. But peer support's important because peers say, I am there. I'm there with you. I'm there right now. Let's do this together. Peers, having good friends uh, in your life. And the Bible has a lot to say about friends. But here's a few things that I've learned. F, friends are few. Friends, true friends are few. A man of many, many of many companions will come to ruin. But there's a friend that sticks closer than a brother. You may have many people that give you a thumbs up on Facebook, but true friends are few. True friends are few. Ah, friends reciprocate. One of the things I've definitely learned over the years is that some people that I thought were friends because of a common experience or whatever, there's just no reciprocation. Many of you know what that's like to have a one-way relationship. One-way, one-way, one-way relationship. True friends reciprocate. Friends are few, F, R, reciprocate, I. Friends are intimate, intimacy, into me you see. I'm okay to be vulnerable with you. It's okay, into me, I'm I'm allowing you to see beyond the shell and the charisma and the charm and the whatever, whatever you have, I have those things, but you know, (laughs) whatever your thing is. Um, Intimacy means I'm allowing you to see into the real me, into me you see. Friends are intimate. F-R-I-E. Friends are energy efficient. There are times where your friend's going through a hard time and you need to put a lot of energy into them. Because the poo hits the fan and life happens and they take up energy and you just go, I need to be with this mate right now. I've sat hours and hours in hospitals or with friends going through very difficult times. I put a lot of energy into certain friends at certain part of their lives. But overall, as you look back, I go, you know the difference between a friend and someone that I'm constantly ministering to? A friend is energy efficient overall. I'm actually getting back as much as I'm giving in in the big picture of things. And we need to have people in our life that drain us to a degree because that just demonstrates we are reaching needy people. And there's a lot of needy people out there and that's part of our role is to reach needy people. But a friend is not a needy, needy, needy person all the time. A friend is someone who for you is energy efficient. 
that I'm actually getting as much out of them as they're getting out of me. And there's a, there's a reciprocation there. F-R-I-E-N. Friends are near. Friends are those that say, I'll be there for you. I'm right here, right here. And some of you know exactly what that's like. They're just a phone call away and they're there. Friends are near. D, friends are devoted. Good times, bad times, they're committed to you. And by the way, when I'm talking about friends, I'm also talking about you being a good friend. Oh, yeah, this is what I need in my life. Well, how about this? How about you be a good friend? How about I say, I want to be devoted. I want to be one of those friends. I want to be near. I want my friends to know I'm there for you. And I'm there for you when the, when the crap's on, good times and the bad. I'll be devoted to you. F, few, reciprocate, intimate, energy efficient, near, devoted. And that devotion, S, friends, is sacrificial. Friends will pay the price. Uh, pay a price to invest into you. And having peers like that, having friends in your life is really important. And to be a good friend is really important. And everyone said? Fourth group of people that's been really pivotal to me in hearing God's voice and being guided by him. Parents, prophetic pastors, pastoral prophetics, peers, professionals. Professionals. People who have given the best part of their life to becoming an expert in something. People who have training, people who have expertise, people who have devoted themselves to specialising in a certain area. Learn from those who've dedicated their lives to something. Because sometimes the best godly wisdom you can get is not from a pastor. All wisdom is godly. All true wisdom comes from God. And even if it comes from a professional who doesn't know God, it can still be God's wisdom to you. It can still be God's wisdom to you. We know in 1 Kings, uh, Solomon dies, okay, and Rehoboam takes after him. And Rehoboam asks different people for advice. And one of the groups of people he asks for advice is the guys who have been leading the nation for years and years and years and years. He goes to them and he says, you've been doing this for a lot of years. Speak to me. Talk to me. Let me, give me some wisdom in this area. He didn't take it, but still he asked. That was at least the first step. Um, one of the, everyone's different. And for me, one of the most damaging or, or draining emotions that I've experienced in life is regret. Is that an emotion? A feeling of regret. Now, everyone's different. For some of us, you've been... You've uh, you experienced anxiety, fear, maybe shame. Uh, those type of things, they really weigh on you. For me, the feeling of regret that I'd made a bad decision has really robbed me and I've needed to really overcome that at various points. And one of the things I carried for a long, lot of years was the regret of when I was a young adult and even before we were married of not buying a home when I could have, not buying a house, not getting into real estate in the late 90s, okay, here in Adelaide. And part of... The reason for that uh, was because I'd had some pastoral advice in those years, some financial advice from a pastor that said, listen, if you can't guarantee that you can pay off a home in seven years, don't even bother doing it. You have to make sure you can pay it off in seven years. It's in the Bible. And now it's my fault for, it's my fault 
for not doing that, and that's why I wore the regret. But my point is simply this. Sometimes a pastor does not give the best advice. Now, in this church, you can probably get good financial advice from your pastor, (laughs) I might say. But sometimes you just need to go to a pro. You just need to go to a professional. Um, A few years ago, I hit a point in life where I started crying for no reason. It was my birthday. I'd get really depressed and down around my birthday. And I'm the type of person that doesn't cry very often, outside of God touching me, like over there one day, I remember. Outside of God touching me, I probably cried uh, on as many times in my life I could count on one hand of just being emotional. Okay, It's just not my thing. And so a few years ago, I'm realising I'm forgetting things and I just cry. I left, I left a jacket at home. <laughs> I cry. Now, for some of you, that's normal. It wasn't normal for me. Okay? Some of you are like, yeah. <laughs> like, um, and, and I realised after a couple of years of this, uh, particularly getting around my birthday, where I just hit a hole, man. Shush. And, um, and I'm like, you know what? I looked at some of my pastor friends who'd been very helpful to me in the past, some of my peers. I looked at parental figures. I looked at other people in my life and I'm like, you know what, I don't think, I think I need a pro here. And so I made an appointment with a psychologist, made an appointment with a life coach. And that was one of the the best decisions I'd made around that period of my life six or seven years ago. And I'm grateful that you're in a church where your pastors recognise we need to draw on those who are professionals in certain areas. And how much, you know, in, in, in a previous generation, we would never have thought, pastors would never have thought of sitting with someone and going, yeah, I think you need a professional counsellor for that. Now we do it really easy, you know. It's like, no, I, some people, you just need to go to a pro. You just need to go to a pro. Because we all have, we got limits. And we, even pastors, we, we can hear God. You, you can be a mature Christian in this place. You hear God, you've got the Holy Spirit on you. There are certain things that you will only get really good guidance on if you go to a pro, if you go to a financial advisor that actually knows what they're talking about, if you go to a counsellor, if you go to a health person, if you've got a significant issue, go to a professional, learn to draw and glean God's wisdom from those people. Parents, prophetic pastors, peers, don't neglect them, professionals, some of you have never drawn on a pro before, professional before. Be open to that. And lastly, a group of people that you will definitely learn from and definitely hear God's guidance on as your life are pupils. Pupils. Philemon, smallest book in the Bible. Go home and read it. That's your homework. Paul writes to a guy called Philemon. And verse 6, don't even have any chapters, right? Verse 6, he says, listen, mate, I want you to be active in sharing your faith with other people. I want you to be active in teaching people. Be active in having pupils around you. Because the more you teach others, the more you will be aware of what it is you're talking about. The more you teach others, the more you will learn about every good thing that you have in Christ. One of the best ways you can learn is by teaching others. One of the best ways you can hear God's wisdom is by sharing your wisdom by others. There's certain things you will never realise until you hear it coming out of your own mouth. I didn't know I knew that. 
Some of my best points are not on a sheet. They just come out. Is this recorded? Get that down. That is awesome. Got to hashtag that one later. Because sometimes you just don't know until you're actually in the place where you're teaching others and you will learn from pupils. Either you will learn from the teaching experience itself, and some of you are educators, you know exactly what I'm talking about, or you will learn from the innocence of pupils and the questions they ask to go, oh, I've never seen it that way before. Sometimes you will hear the voice and the guidance of God through people that you think you are teaching. Okay, God will use those voices in your life. I've got a friend called Steve. And about 10 years ago, Steve was pastoring a church and he was talking to me, of course, we were on the phone. In the old days, that's how we used to talk, kids. <laughs> you actually talk on the phone. And um, talking on the phone and he said, uh, how are you going, blah, 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 we're doing the peer thing. And he said, oh, you have... He said, I'm chatting with someone this week, they're, despond- they're talking about they're despondent with church. They're a bit, you know, they-, they think they might be leaving, they need to go somewhere else and blah, 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 that kind of conversation. And he said, I've got the guts to say to him, you know what, the problem is you're not despondent. It's not that there's not good food in this house, whatever reasons they were. Your problem is, is you're bored. He said, who are you? Who are you actually, whose life are you inputting into? You're saying this issue, this church hasn't given me enough. He goes, actually, the issue is, who are you giving to? Who are you inputting into? Who are you feeding? The problem with your Christianity may not be what's coming from this pulpit. The problem might be what you're actually, you're not feeding, in, you're not investing into anyone. You're actually not taking what you know and sharing with others. It is in sharing with others that we really grasp what we know, having pupils in your life. Do you remember saying something like that to me? It was a good, it was a good point. Hashtag that, write that down. It's on record now. There you go. But Paul, this is why Paul wrote to Timothy. My book, the whole, the whole thrust of my book or the theme of it is like a mentoring conversation. It's like Paul writing to Timothy. Okay, young, boy, okay, young fella, this is what you do. And when Paul writes to Timothy, historically, we call them the pastoral epistles. I'd rather call them mentoring epistles because it's like a mentoring relationship of an older guy speaking to a younger Timothy. And he says to him, listen, mate, the things I've said to you, the things I've said to you, Teach others who can teach others. The things Paul has said to Timothy, teach others who can teach others. 2 Timothy 2.2, I think it is. Richie Benno's um, scripture. (laughs) You lose this side of the room, don't you? (laughs) On that. Now, it's something else about this church that hadn't changed in 30 years. The young people always sit on this side. I don't know what that is. It's like a Baptist thing. You can't get away from it. All right. I've said things to you. Teach others who can teach others. God is the God of generations. Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, and the boys. God never calls himself the God of Noah. God never, as good as he was, God never comes to the prophets and says, I am the God of Enoch. He never comes and says, I'm the God of Adam. He says, I'm the God of generations. I'm the God of Abraham. Isaac, Jacob, and the 12 boys after him. That's the type of God I am. What's the point? One generation passing to the next, passing to the next, passing to the next, a perpetual legacy, pupils in your life. Sometimes we will only hear the voice and the wisdom of God as we teach others, as we actually are inputting into the life of other people. And so today, because I've been a pastor for a long time, I'm also very realistic. I'm an optimistic realist. Fundamentally, I'm realistic, but I'll be optimistic about it. (laughs) I've made eight points, and some of you aren't going to remember one of them. 
But I want to ask you please to remember too. Put those five on the, on the screen, lads. Here are five groups of people that God is committed to you having in your life that he will lead and guide you from. Are there two? Can I just ask you to remember two of those that you will assess, you maybe will audit, maybe acknowledge, maybe there's a group there that you've just actually never drawn on in your life. You know, I've never done that. I don't have anyone like, maybe, or maybe today to appreciate. Maybe as we look at those five, you go, you know what, I've had parents in my life and I haven't thanked them for a while. I might do that today. There's a prophetic pastor that spoke to me 20 years ago that gave me, you know, Chad, when you said Barry Chant, do you know that Barry Chant gave me a word 35 years ago? Well, maybe today's the day you follow him up and you thank him, acknowledge his voice and guidance in your life. Maybe that sounds a bit random, doesn't it? Maybe for many of you, it's, it's Marty's dad. Maybe a parent figure for you, maybe a prophetic pastor that you just go, I just want to acknowledge that couple's influence in my life. Are there two groups there that you go, you know what, I'm going to give that attention this week. I'm going to leave practically today and actually do something with this. Holy Spirit, I'm going to ask you to please just highlight to people because stuff I've shared today is timeless. I mean, it's always good, eight days of the week, but I want some of this stuff to be really timely for people and only you can do that. So please, would you just highlight to people right now, groups of people, that they say, I'm going to do something about that. That really resonates with me today. I'm going to give attention to that. I'm going to give acknowledgement and appreciation to that. Can you just allow Holy Spirit just to whisper, highlight one of those, two of those to you? And maybe you can do something about that today. Dad, we're so grateful for your presence with us. We're so grateful for your house that you call us to participate in. Thank you that you have not called us to do this journey alone. You've not just left us on earth with a, with a book. You've given us yourself. You've given us your very personal and powerful presence. And you've given us a community of people that through them we will get to know you more. So Lord, I commit myself today to playing my part in your community, to acknowledging those who I'm standing shoulder to shoulder with, acknowledge those who are over me in the Lord, acknowledge those who are, in a sense, under me, behind me, the next generation coming through. And Lord, I'll play my part in your community because today it's not just a catchphrase, it's not just a Jack Johnson song. I truly believe today. We are better together. And I truly believe today that I am better together with others. And if you, that resonates with you at all, why don't you say, Amen? Yes? That's it, Chad? You've done your eight points? Get off? Ladies and gentlemen, it's been a privilege to be with you. Marty.